MSW Media. A great big thank you to Real Paper for supporting the Daily Beans today. There are no new trees cut down to make Real Paper products. Sign up for a subscription and get 30% off your first order at real, R-E-E-L, paper.com slash dailybeans or use code dailybeans at checkout. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. Today, the Fulton County DA gets her special grand jury to investigate Trump election interference in Georgia. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton defies a county official's order to release his January 6th records. The new Republican governor of Virginia fires a 1-6 lawyer from his university post. And black lawmakers walk out as Mississippi passes an anti-critical race theory bill. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, Dana. How are you? Hello, my friend. I am hanging in there one day at a time. Yes, yes. Uh, that That's how I felt today as well. Like, hmm, you know... Could be Monday, could be Thursday, Who don't knows? care. Today, I'm just trying to get through the day. <laughs> I feel like we're stuck in that perpetual week between Christmas and New Year's when you don't know what day it is, you don't know the date. <laughs> At this point, I was like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, it's right. I almost said Tuesday, which it is if you're yeah. listening to this, but recording on Monday and it feels like yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, it's not at all. And then tomorrow will feel like Friday. And then we'll be like, what do we do for the rest of the week? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, it's not over. Great. Ding. Later in the show, by the way, I'm going to be having a chat with Glenn Kirshner, our friend, your friend and my friend. He's the host of Justice Matters on the MSW Media Network and just an all around great guy. We're going to discuss what if Bill Barr, the enemy of my enemy, right, is my friend. What Mm -hmm. if Bill Barr has substantial information? Now, more news has come out. You know, first I was like, everyone chill until we find out what these conversations were about. Maybe they were just like, what are you doing next Tuesday? But then Zoe Lofgren came on, as you know, we reported and said they had met more than once. And we thank him for being willing to help us get to the truth. And then we learned today they weren't talking about that voting machine seizure memo. We don't know what they were talking about, but it wasn't that. And that seems like the thing you want to ask about. But the good news is, Dana, we'll find out. We will. We will find out. I have a really, (laughs) this is my favorite. And there's only a few of you that are going to get this reference and it's going to be an age thing because Bill Barr looks like the baby dinosaur from Dinosaurs when he's like, not the mama. Yeah. (laughs) If you Google the baby dinosaur from Dinosaurs, it's going to, you're going to be like, oh my God, that's Bill Barr. That's Bill Barr. Well, first mama. you're going to be like, oh, my God, that was a television program. Yeah. And then you're going to be like, oh, my God, it's Bill Barr. <laughs> oh, my God. Someone greenlit that? Yep, they sure yes. did. Yes. And speaking of green lights, let's get to the hot notes. Hot notes. Well done. <laughs> yes. The judges on Fulton County Superior Court bench on Monday cleared the way for a special grand jury to be used for District Attorney Fonnie Willis's investigation of the former guy and his efforts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election results. And also Lindsey Graham. I just wanted to add that in there. Chief Judge Christopher S. Brasher wrote that a majority of the judges had agreed to the request issued by Willis's office late last week. The special grand jury will be impaneled May 2nd. Just want to give everybody 
the time frame so that everyone's like, where the fuck is the stuff? You know, it's, it's <laughs> May 2nd is when they start. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes you get me. Okay. <laughs> and uh, this can continue for a period not to exceed 12 months. That is a long ass special grand jury. And that's in the order that Brasher wrote. Quote, the special purpose grand jury. I found my special purpose. I'm so excited. It's called a special purpose grand jury. Shall be authorized to investigate any and all facts and circumstances relating directly or indirectly to alleged violations of the laws of the state of Georgia. It's pretty broad, right? And Willis, Willis's criminal probe, which was launched nearly a year ago, just want everyone to know, is centered on the January 2nd, 2021 phone call. The perfect phone call that uh, Trump placed to Secretary of State Ben Roethlisberger. No, I'm just kidding. In which he urged the Republican to find, you know, 11,780 votes, just one more than was needed to overcome Joe Biden's win. And uh, the veteran prosecutor, Fannie Willis, has indicated that her team is also examining the abrupt resignation of B.J. Pack, right? The former Atlanta-based U.S. attorney who was like, peace out and just totally peaced out. And then a November 2020 call from Lindsey Graham, as I said, placed to Raffensperger and false claims made by Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani during a hearing before the Georgia Senate Judiciary Committee. So apparently Rudy lied. Everyone's in a lot of trouble. <laughs> to the, yeah, these are serious things. Willis previously told state officials that her office was probing potential violations of Georgia law, including criminal solicitation to commit election fraud, intentional interference with the performance of election duties, conspiracy, and racketeering among others. And she has prosecuted a really successful hefty racketeering scheme that like school administrators were mm -hmm. cheating on exams to get the numbers up. She, she did that. Yep, they brought her in because this is her speciality. Yeah, that's why they elected her DA. And Willis previously argued that appointing a special grand jury was necessary because, quote, a significant number of witnesses and prospective witnesses have refused to cooperate with this investigation absent a subpoena requiring testimony. Ben Roethlisberger. It says here that includes Raffensperger, she said, who would presumably be the case's star witness, right? I mean, he's he's the guy who has all the has all the goods. And for his part, Raffensperger insisted that his office has been cooperative and slammed Willis for trying to score political points. What you talking about, Willis? Despite that, he vowed during an interview on Fox News last week to follow the law and come before a grand jury and testify. So he's gonna, he's gonna. And at special grand juries, 16 to 23 people are rare, very rare in Georgia. They can't issue indictments, but they can subpoena witnesses and compel the production of documents and information. And unlike regular grand juries, they can be seated for longer than two months. And they're focused on a singular topic rather than, you know, like 10,000 cases, which her other grand jury is hearing right now. Well, there you go. Thanks for kicking us off with that. This next story goes down to Mississippi. Mississippi's black state senators, they actually walked out of a vote on Friday. They were protesting a Republican-backed bill that purports to ban, quote, <laughs> critical race theory in schools. I know. All 14 black senators, all of whom are Democrats, they withheld their votes when they walked out, and the bill passed 32 to 2. There were two white Democrats voted against the bill, and all of that is from the Associated Press. Now, while the bill is titled Critical Race Theory, its text does not even mention critical race theory at all. That's because it's not a thing. <laughs> exactly. Because if you are familiar with this at all, and it's very confusing to people, actual critical race theory is an academic discipline that's usually studied in like 
graduate school or law school that focuses on how racism is embedded in the country's legal system, the political system, and social institutions. So no, Jimmy in K through five is not getting taught critical race theory. And if you're an elementary school child is learning critical race theory, congratulations, they are a law savant. Well done. Ah, yeah, that's advanced AF right there. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) That's a mathlete. (laughs) It's a mathlete. (laughs) A lawfleet? It's a lawfleet. Now, AG, the Mississippi Bill's language, it doesn't even actually change anything specific, okay? So it's it simply says that no school or education institution should teach students, quote, that any sex, race, ethnicity is inherently superior or inferior, or that individuals should be adversely treated on the basis of their sex, race, or ethnicity, which is just fucking ridiculous. Meanwhile, no bathroom for trans kids. Right. right. Not to mention that the rest of the stuff they're teaching in Mississippi and history actually does make one race inherently superior, and it would be the white race. (laughs) But let's not split hairs. Now, the bill does not even include penalties for teaching the above, what we talked about, this whole thing with race, ethnicity, sex. And it's broad. It's very broad. Vague language means it's pretty it's unlikely dumb. to change what is taught in schools. It's ridiculous. Dumb. It's yeah. just like a, hey, uh, my name is John. And then they call it critical race theory and then pass a bill so that so the people are like, yeah. You know, it scares it. Yeah. It, it's just a scare tactic, which is just ridiculous <laughs> that it could be used that way. But so teachers in states where laws like this sort of thing, like the critical race theory have passed, they told HuffPost that the vagueness of the law's language has left them unsure of what they can and can't teach, which could stop some teachers out of caution from attempting to take on important subjects related to history and ongoing racism in this country. Now, the bill advances to the Mississippi House, which is also controlled by Republicans. Now, if it's passed, it will go to Republican Governor Tate Reeves, who has vowed to keep critical race theory out of the schools, even though critical race theory isn't mentioned in the fucking bill. Yeah, I vow to keep vodka out of schools. Yeah, and and just make the bill call bill. call it critical race theory, and then race put vodka. vodka in the bill. <laughs> Don't even mention vodka. Just no. say we will not support or deny potatoes, any liquor, potatoes in the school system, <laughs> and it's suddenly vodka. <laughs> or we will not support any Russian propaganda in the schools, and suddenly you have banned vodka. Yeah, however it works, whatever. We'll just call it the no. Just dare to keep kids off booze. These sounds like these jackasses down in Florida that just, you can't say the word gay anymore. So this goes into the whole teachings of the LGBTQ community and their school. We'll cover, I'll see if I can find that story. We might cover it in another episode. It's absurd. Anyway. It is ridiculous. That's what I have down in Mississippi. And now I'm sending you back to Georgia. Uh, No, we're going to Texas. Oh, let's go to Travis County. Yeah, we're going to go to Texas where there's just as much <laughs> did you, shit, fuck, shit fuckery. Did you like me going, and we're going to go back to you in Georgia, AG? <laughs> like we're in a newscast. Okay. And now, back to you. Attorney General Ken Paxton said the Travis County District Attorney's determination that Paxton violated an open records law, his own open records law, by withholding information related to his trip to D.C. on January 6th was meritless and that his office had fulfilled its obligation under law. It did not. Last week, the district attorney's office gave Paxton four business days. Remember, we said that usually Paxton files these open records complaints, but it had to be the Travis County DA, because that's who does it when your fucking attorney general (laughs) is a criminal. So they gave him four days to turn over communications requested by the state's leading newspapers relating to his trip to 
D.C. on the 6th or face a lawsuit. And on Friday, Austin Kinghorn, okay, a lawyer for the attorney general's office, dismissed the district attorney's findings, saying the office had provided no provisions under the state's open records law that had been violated. So open records, turn over your records. I refuse to turn over your records. And then Ken Paxton's friend says he didn't violate the open records law you know, dismissed the DA's findings that the open records law had been violated and implied that the newspapers had made the request to publish stories about them. That's all. That's what the newspapers were doing, Dana. They were requesting documents so that they could publish stories. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a fucking newspaper and it's news. In each instance, complainants' allegations rely on unsupported assumptions and fundamental misunderstandings of the Public Information Act and its requirements. No King Horn. We know what the Open Records Act is. King Horn. I feel like we're fighting with people that don't exist. I know. (laughs) Quote, frustrated that they have failed to uncover anything worth reporting following numerous open records requests to Paxton's office for various documents in like 10 different crimes that he's fucking involved with. Complainant newspaper editors have sought to leverage your office's authority to further their fishing expedition of open documents of which there is a law, a fishing expedition, or worse, manufacture a conflict between our respective offices that will give rise to punishable content for the complainant's media outlets. Did I say punishable? I meant publishable. I feel like Shrek, like Kinghorn is fighting. Like that's who Shrek would fight. Like someone named well, Kinghorn. Hey, we have Kinghorn, now Ishmael. Ishmael Martinez, a spokesperson for the Travis County DA's office, confirmed the office received the letter. No comment. (laughs) The Travis County District Attorney's Office action stems from a complaint by editors from five of the state's top newspapers. We talked about all of these. The Austin American Statesman, the Dallas Morning News, Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Houston Chronicle and San Antonio Express, alleging the state's top law enforcement official who normally enforces the Records Act, the Open Records Act, violated the open records law by withholding communications related to his trip to D.C. during January 6th. And in a joint statement, the editors of the newspaper wrote, we're disappointed in the attorney general's response. We believe these records are public and should be released. We hope the Travis County District Attorney continues to hold the attorney general accountable for following our state's open record laws and continues to advocate for the public's right to know in this case. There you have it. Thank you, AG. And for this next story, you can file it under what? Sketchy as fuck. The top stop. Yes. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We got it. Do you think they broke the law? It's time to play sketch or nah. <laughs> this sounds like retribution, but let's get to it. The top staff investigator on the House Committee scrutinizing the January 6th attack on the Capitol, right, has been fired by the state's new Republican attorney general from his position as the top lawyer for the University of Virginia which he was on leave while working on the congressional inquiry. That's a good reason to be on leave, right? Like You would think so. I got to do a thing. I got, you know, I got a thing. I got a thing I got to do. I got to talk to a man about a, a coup. Uh, the office of the Virginia... <laughs> see a man about a coup. <laughs> the office of the Virginia Attorney General, Jason Mayares. That's how we're going to say his last name, because I think that's right, Mayares. Said the firing of the investigator, Timothy Keefe was not related to the January 6th investigation at all, but the move prompted an outcry from Democrats in the state, who accused him, of course, of taking the highly unusual action as partisan move to further the former guy's attempts to undermine the committee's work. 
Hmm. Now, this is a quote. This is purely payback for January 6th. There's no other reason that makes any sense. And that's from Scott Sorovell. He's a top Democrat in the Virginia State Senate who said that he knew of no other similar example in the recent history where a new attorney general had immediately removed a school's top lawyer. Quote, in our state, we normally leave those decisions to the school's board of visitors and president. Hmm. Yes. So Victoria Lasaveda, a spokeswoman for Mr. Mayeres, said that, just quote, the decision had nothing to do with the January 6th <laughs> committee or their investigations. And that's, I like how that's the end of the quote. We're not going to tell you what it had to do with. We're just, it didn't have to do with that. Definitely wasn't this. Yeah. In Virginia, the attorney general oversees a range of lawyers across the state. And that's including the top lawyers at the colleges and universities that make up the vast public higher education system. Now, the posts are typically held by career lawyers who are rarely replaced when new attorney generals take over. Now, in addition to dismissing Mr. Hefe, Mr. Mayares, also had the top lawyer at George Mason University removed, which is really interesting. Oh, wow. Mr. Heafy is a Democrat who had made political donations to Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and had been the top lawyer at the University of Virginia since 2018. He served as a United States attorney in Virginia during the Obama administration. He's married to a daughter of Eric K. Shinseki. He is the retired chief of staff of the Army who served as President Barack Obama's Secretary of Veterans Affairs. I'm sure that name is familiar to you, so thank you. Yep, that's why I knew it immediately. I appreciate it. Yes, in 2017, on behalf of the city of Charlottesville, he completed a highly critical report on how the police handled the white nationalist rally that turned violent and led to the death of one woman and injured dozens. Remember Heather Hare, of course. And um, it sounds like a phenomenal man. In a written statement, the University of Virginia sidestepped the issue on whether his dismissal had been motivated by politics, but made clear (laughs) that it had no role in it. Okay, wait. They sidestepped whether it did, but made clear that it didn't. Mm -hmm. Just so everyone followed that. Yeah, they're like, we're not going to tell you why. Just why not? Yes. Yeah. And another quoting, university leaders are grateful to Tim for his outstanding service to our community and disappointed to see it come to an end. And that, uh, that was from Brian Coy, a spokesman for the university. If you have further questions about this matter, I would check with the attorney general's office as this was their decision to make, <laughs> even though it wasn't. Yeah. Mr. Heafy, he didn't say that I did. Mr. Heafy, who attended undergraduate and law school at the University of Virginia, who has long lived in Charlottesville, and whose son attends the school, declined to address why he was dismissed, saying that he was, quote, disappointed that his time at the university had come to an end and that he was confident that the school would continue, quote, to thrive in the days to come. After I sue them. After I sue their fucking pants Actually, off. not the school, but yeah, but the, yeah. But the attorney general. After I take it up with the EG. Yeah, totally. All right. Thank you so much for that story, everybody. We're going to be right back with Mr. Glenn Kirshner, host of Justice Matters. You don't want to miss it. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and today's show is brought to you by Real Paper. I absolutely love Real Paper products because tens of thousands of trees are hacked down every day to make items that are just discarded into trash and end up in landfills or flushed down toilets, right? And our forests are very important because they remove nearly a quarter of the carbon that humans release into the atmosphere, making forests essential to combating climate change. And with Real Paper, we can help. Single-use plastics and deforestation are reduced when you use Real Paper products. Since Real Paper makes its toilet paper and paper towels from non-virgin tree fibers, it does not cut down any new trees, and it doesn't use plastic. So I absolutely love these products. By developing a sustainable alternative 
Real preserves the health of our planet without sacrificing quality. And I have both the paper towels and the toilet paper, and they're absolutely wonderful. A very positive step with real paper, because more than 250,000 pieces of single-use plastic have already been eliminated with real paper. And you'll contribute to the funding of clean sanitation programs around the world by purchasing real. I'm proud to support real paper because their products contribute to saving the planet instead of destroying it. Purchasing real paper is a simple, hassle-free process on their website, either as a subscription or a one-time purchase, and all orders are conveniently shipped to your door in 100% recyclable plastic-free packaging. And if you head to realpaper.com slash dailybeans and sign up for a subscription using my code dailybeans at checkout, you'll automatically get 30% off your first order. That's realpaper, R-E-E-L-P-A-P-E-R.com slash dailybeans or enter promo code dailybeans to get 30% off your first order. Real paper is toilet paper and paper towels that change lives. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Happy today to be joined by my friend, Glenn Kirshner of Justice Matters. Glenn, how are you? I'm good, AG. How are you? Ooh, it's heating up. Mm-hmm. It's getting hot in the kitchen, I feel, with the Fonnie Willis being granted her special grand jury in Georgia. And of course, we know what's going on in the Manhattan DA's office, the filing by the New York Attorney General, Letitia James. And now we have more information every day on this seven state conspiracy where they sent forged slates of electors to the National Archives. And at first, when we when we only knew a smidge about it, I was like, unfortunately, I don't think it's illegal for a group of, you know, crazy people to send a letter, a forged letter to the National Archives. But now that it's part of a conspiracy seemingly headed by Rudy Giuliani. It's a very different story, isn't it? And I wanted to ask you about the criminality of that. Like what changes between just like me sending my own slate of electors to the National Archives in the mail versus now it's it's a it's a plot. Yeah. And so, first of all, as a former career prosecutor, I could probably be accused of trying to find a crime under every rock and around every corner. (laughs) But that doesn't mean there aren't crimes under every rock and around every corner. There are some potential federal criminal statutes in in play here. And as uh, Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel said, it also violates any number of state laws in her state, Michigan. And I'm sure in the other states, of course, every state has its own unique set of criminal criminal statute. But federally, I think we can look at the federal forgery statute, 18 U.S.C. 471. It's kind of a curious statute the way it's written. But if you look at the elements as they've developed over time, there's an argument that this is a forgery. But I think even more precisely, I think this is mail fraud. Because if you use the mails to perpetrate really any kind of a fraud to defraud anybody of anything, I'm taking liberties with the legal language there, That's a 20-year offense. Federal mail fraud is a 20-year offense. And I believe I've heard reporting that they mailed these fraudulent election certificates to both Congress and to the National Archives. They did. You also have, obviously, obstructing an official proceeding because these fraudulent slates of electors were designed to corruptly delay and completely throw off track. Another 20-year crime. Yeah, that's another 20-year offense. Of course, all of it is conspiratorial. I mean, you don't need to be a handwriting or computer forensic expert to look at all of these (laughs) identical fraudulent documents and say, hmm, all put together by the same person or people, right? So this is a conspiracy to defraud the government or commit offenses against the government. That is that 
broad, overarching 18 USC 371 conspiracy. And what I would urge everybody, AG, who is listening or watching, just go to the DOJ website and look at how it describes and talks about a 371 conspiracy because DOJ says, oh my God, this is so broad. It can capture all kinds of conspiratorial conduct. We know Bob Mueller used it against the Internet Research Agency. Why? Because they were interfering our interfering in our elections. Well, what were the fraudulent electors doing? Interfering in our elections. So there's actually some loosely speaking precedent there on the charging front. So you know what? We can go through the criminal code crime after crime after crime and see whether this fits. There are any number of crimes about impeding governmental functions. and But you have to drill down and look at the elements of each and how courts have interpreted each statute, what conduct is covered. But let me tell you, you can only confine a man or a woman for but one life. And when you get a couple of 20-year offenses, like you know uh, obstructing uh, official proceedings and mail fraud, you don't need more than a 40-year max to take these people down. Mm-hmm. No, even if they haven't committed crimes in the past. And it also fraudulently robs me of my vote counting. Yeah, yeah. And that I think we're going to see quite a bit of. A question for you. I noticed in the letter from the January 6th committee to Ivanka, which was nine pages, by the way, nine pages long, they attached a memo sent to the White House administration through White House counsel Don McGahn, just reminding everyone about the Presidential Records Act and 18 U.S. Code, what is it, 27 something, you know, concealing or destroying federal documents mentioned in this letter. I had not seen that particular memo sent to anyone else that has received a letter asking for cooperation or a subpoena. Why Ivanka? And why, why is it like, hey, we just want to remind you, nudge, nudge, that if you concealed or destroyed any documents, I feel like I feel like they got the records from the archives and noticed some things missing. Because of the more than 400 witnesses who have already cooperated with the House Select Committee. And the tens of thousands, maybe approaching 100,000, I don't know, documents that they've acquired, not only from the National Archives, but from all of the witnesses who have been cooperating with the House Select Committee. They have reason to believe, they have some evidence to suggest, this is the inference, that perhaps Ivanka has shredded some stuff or deleted some stuff. So they just wanted to gently remind her, listen, we're going to be talking to you one way or another. You might want to get in front of whatever you have already done. So, (laughs) yes, that was intentional. And they do that because they have other evidence, probably by which they can prove that she may have have been involved in some of that conduct. (laughs) Yeah, I I just thought that was special. I was like, oh, huh, you sent you sent a memo through Don McGahn's office that was sent to you in 2017 about preserving records. Why? Yeah. It's not like they just sent it to everybody like, oh, you know, just in case you forgot. So I thought that that was very interesting. Finally, I want to talk about Bill Barr because it appears and I want to enter this conversation saying he is not a hero. He destroyed the Department of Justice. He single handedly almost completely dismantled justice in this country. However, If he saw this fraudulent seven state elector thing or the voting machine thing, which I think also we can say 
probably safely General Milley knew about and f- 10 former, you know, secretaries of defense knew about when they sent a letter on January 3rd saying, you know, no military coups or anything. But Barr is, in, I think, in a unique position. Uh, first of all, he's got a book coming out on March 8th. Good for him. But uh, I think he's uniquely situated to actually considerably help the January 6th committee. And Zoe Lofgren said on TV, we appreciate his willingness to, to help us get to the truth. I think it might be just part of a rehab tour. But I'm sort of like fine with that. I don't know how you feel about it. I, I have mixed feelings because, you know, we saw Bill Barr commit any number of crimes during his tenure as attorney general, including obviously lying to Congress under oath, setting all of that. So so in a perfect world, I would like to see him held responsible for his crimes and developed as a cooperating witness, flipped, so to speak, against Donald Trump. That, of course, is only going to be done if it's done at all by the Department of Justice, not by the House Select Committee. So setting that aside, you know, Bill Barr has, I think, so much potentially blockbuster, damaging, incriminating information that he can provide against Donald Trump. One, we know that this insane executive order directing the military to just steal, seize, take all of the state voting machines, you know, election equipment, And you read that executive order. I heard somebody from the Brennan Center for Justice say it's got all of the legal persuasiveness of a four-year-old scribbling on the wall in crayon. I mean, it's really bad. And we know that that was dated, unsigned, but and there's also been a little bit of reporting that people had to talk about assigning it, but it's dated December 16th, 2020. We know Barr announced his resignation two days before that on the 14th. He was clearly trying to get ahead of it, trying to get away from it, because he did not want to be part of that mess, Jess. And so he's got some important information, I think, on that front for the House Select Committee. But let's remember, he's also the one who told Donald Trump, there's no widespread fraud undermining Joe Biden's win. And I want to know every word of that conversation. Why? Mm. Because that could very well supply direct evidence of Donald Trump's criminal content, guilty state of mind, mens rea. Because any time Donald Trump uttered the the phrase, stop the steal, fraudulent election, your vote was stolen after told him no fraud undermining Joe Biden's win becomes clear evidence of a corrupt intent. So Bill Barr is a potentially big ticket witness against Donald Trump. Sometimes, listen, I sponsored the testimony of hitmen to get at other murderers or people who procured the services of the hitman. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do, especially when you're trying to save our democracy. And, And the last thing before we move away from Bill Barr is I was really thrilled. There were a lot of Sunday surprises on the football field. Yes. But there was a big Sunday surprise on the Sunday shows when Benny Thompson told us all, oh, by the way, Bill Barr has been talking with us. We've been speaking with him for some time now. We didn't know anything about that. No. Right? No, there we didn't. There had been no leaks. And I was I was skeptical of it too. I'm like you've had conversations with Bill Barr. What does that mean? You've been talking about maybe having him Subpoenas? come in and testify. You know, are you right. negotiating uh, back and forth? And then Zoe Lofgren comes on and says, "Let's just say it's been more than once and uh we thank him for his willingness to to you know, get help us get at the truth." 
And that could be a little misdirection. That could be driving wedges. I mean, I'd like to drive wedges between bad guys myself. That's often, you know, it, it reaps benefits in your investigation. And, and like you, AG, I thought, wait a minute, does that mean they're just trying to pick a date for him to come in? But if that was the case, they would have been talking with Bill Barr's lawyer, not with Bill Barr. So listen, once I heard that and we realized there wasn't a single leak that came out of the House Select Committee about that, right? If a congressional committee, a political body can conduct the highest stakes investigation ever without a leak, don't you think the Department of Justice can do it as well? And AG, I know you and I are lockstep here, and I know I am always glass half full, and I think you are too. Here's the thing. Or at least glass half reasonable. There's no way the Department of Justice isn't on this. There's just no way. All of the people, many of whom are our friends and colleagues who we respect, say, I see no outward signs of DOJ investigating this in the traditional way they would investigate a conspiracy. I have to come back with why in the world would they investigate this the way they traditionally investigate the run of the mill conspiracy? I would I would be appalled if they did. And so when we see that even a congressional committee can do high stakes investigating without leaking, you can bet your bottom dollar DOJ can do it. And then some they're just not doing it. By subpoenaing the bad guys yet. No, you do that at the end because they're the ones who are going to talk, right? You get you get the or nice. You never do it because we typically don't subpoena yeah. targets of an investigation. We drop arrest warrants on their heads. There's no need to call Rudy in for his testimony. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, what what do we need that for? You don't. You burnt. So I get it. I absolutely get it. And, and you know, honestly, I think that, uh, you know, a step too far for Bill Barr was, look, I can make up, you know, ideas of fraud with mail-in voting, and I can back you on that, but I can't just fabricate fraud whole cloth piece out. And I think that I'm with you. I think Bill Barr probably has information proving that Donald Trump knew, or at least was advised, that the election, there wasn't there wasn't enough fraud in the election to overturn anything. And you and I both know, if you say you won by 400,000 votes, but you just need 11,780, that right there is slam dunk. And, and remember, there was that one piece, there was that one piece of reporting, and I forget who was in the room, some of the DOJ folks, I don't remember if it was Rosen and or Clark or others, when they said there's no fraud, and he said, it doesn't matter, just yes. say there was and leave the rest to me and, and my, my Republican allies friends. in Congress. Yeah. In other words, my co-conspirator. It's like, Donald, why don't you just draft your own conspiracy indictment? And I, I would be very interested to see if they bring in evidence from the Zelensky, the Volodymyr Zelensky phone call and the uh, Raffensperger phone call, just to just show a pattern of behavior where I don't need you to actually investigate. I don't need there to actually be a problem. I just need you to say that there is. And I th- I think that that totality of the evidence, as they call it, is uh, personally to me a slam dunk. But I'm not a I'm not a prosecutor. Um, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Yeah. All it takes is getting this case in front of a reasonable jury. And I still believe in the jury system as much as it drove me nuts for 30 years. It's the best system, but for all others, the MAGA on Manafort's jury convicted him, even though she said she didn't want to, because the evidence uh, showed he was guilty. And she took, she swore an oath 
to decide the case based only on the evidence that was introduced at trial. We can impanel a fair jury to try Donald Trump of his crimes. And and even if we lose at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because it's the right thing to do. But you we're not going to lose. You brought yep, it. We're not going to lose the case, which is which is. And, and honestly, whether the person goes to jail or is convicted or not, at the end of the day, you are saying to future people who might want to do this to the United States and defraud the United States, we will prosecute you. Win, lose or draw. And again, hey, we don't need to win. We just need to, pro- you know, <laughs> we just need to prosecute you. We need to have the perfect, our own perfect call with Zelensky, basically. Thank you very much. Everybody check out Justice Matters if you get a chance. It's absolutely wonderful. I appreciate all your videos and, and you explaining this to us in, in ways that we can sort of understand as lay people. My pleasure, AG. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Glenn Kirshner. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everyone. It's AG. And today's show is sponsored by Helix Sleep. Sleep is my favorite thing. I love sleeping. Uh, and it's awful to wake up tired after a bad night's sleep. Recently, I took the online sleep quiz at helix.com uh, slash daily beans and uh, solved my own sleep issues because I was sleeping on a mattress for someone else. But Helix Sleep showed me the mattress that was perfect for me. They match you to the perfect mattress tailored to your specific sleep preferences and body type. They have mattresses from soft, medium to firm. They have ones that regulate your body temperature. If you sleep hot like I do, you have hot flashes in the night or night sweats. They have mattresses that align your spine and they have the Helix Plus for plus size sleepers. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I'm a medium firm mattress person and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. And now, thanks to Helix, I fall asleep fast, I stay asleep all night, and I wake up in the morning feeling alert and refreshed. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine recommend Helix to improve sleep. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. They even have financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news. It's on the way. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, anything you want to send us, photos of anything, now we'll just take anything. You can send it to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and kick us off today, Dana. Please do. From MG, pronouns she and her, Beans Queens. Thank you for being a daily dose of laughs and insight and for the last crazy few years. I'm not one to brag about myself, but this felt like good news and a good news segment moment for me. I had the best week of my professional career this past week. It started with being recognized with a company-wide award for quality and in another forum being called out for a different award by the badass head of sales who interviewed me 14 years ago. Capping off the week, I had the pleasure of running a global virtual event for 800 of my colleagues and my team crushed it, totally crushed it. Our keynote speaker dropped a ton of gems, my favorite being, quote, purpose is not the thing we do. It is the thing that happens in others when we do the thing we do. Ooh, that's good. I know. I got chills. Keep doing the things you do, ladies. Thank you MG, so much. thank you. Seriously, you, thank you for that. Awesome week. High five. I know. All right. This one's from Mary. Pronounce she and her. You asked about kids' loveys, and I deliver. <laughs> My son sleeps with our dog every single night. 
Some nights, both kids, six and nine, sleep in a twin-sized bed with a 60-pound dog. (laughs) Keep in mind, the kids are smaller than the dog, and the dog is in the world's biggest bed hog. So I don't know how that is any kind of comfortable, but it's what they do. I also included a pic of my beloved time bear, a little white teddy bear that Santa brought me when I was six. Oh my goodness. Mm. Originally, the bear had a red Santa hat that said time on it, and I assumed her name was time. (laughs) Good assumption. I slept with that bear until I moved in with my then boyfriend, now husband. Oh my God, Mary. (laughs) One night recently, my little one couldn't find his stuffed animal, a green Minecraft creeper named Green Bean. (laughs) So I let him borrow time bear and made a huge deal about how he had to give her back the next day. (laughs) He took me super seriously, and it was the cutest thing ever. Love the show. I've literally been listening for years at this point, and I love hearing great things like when Rudy and the Trump children, they're all my age, and I'm very much a grown woman with gray hair and quarantine gut. (laughs) Hilarious. Get a taste of consequences. Thanks, Beans Queens. Look at Time Bear. Oh my God, look at this dog. Look at the eyes. I know. It's giving you the look. Oh my God, Time Bear is so cute though. It looks like he fell asleep playing Minecraft. (laughs) He does. That bear has held up really well over the years, Mary. Yeah, very clean, very nice. Very cute bear. I I could see the Santa hat though. Totally. With the time, with the time on it. Next up from Jess, no pronouns given. I am a Daily Pod listener and I've been since the early MSW days and I'm a big Packer fan. I was so disappointed in Aaron and did not support him, but do support my Packers. And while I love and support dunking on Aaron, that is earned. However, laughing at the Packers, the team, and any fans have started to make me sad. 99% of the players played by the rules, got vaccinated, and didn't lie. And they also had to play while Aaron was out and dealt with the drama they didn't deserve. And the hate they didn't deserve. I just feel for them and for the fans who love their team and don't support Aaron's behavior. You guys keep me informed and laughing. Thank you. For my pet tax, I include my cat and bestie, Buttercup, and my parents' old lady, Golden, named Nuki. Cute. You know, I love the Packers. I want to say this. Jess, you make a good point. And I think it's like goes in line when we talk about when everyone starts slamming on Texas or Florida. There's some really good people in Texas and Florida, and there's some beautiful parts of Texas. Um, I'm just kidding, Florida. (laughs) There's some beautiful parts of Florida. I will be there to perform this year. And so it is sort of that same thing of like, you can hate the governor, you can hate the mayor, you can slam on the AG, but not in the entire state. And that feels very fair. So I will continue to slam on Aaron Rodgers and his ridiculous hair right now. And I will leave the Packers alone because you're right. There's some damn good players on that team. People used to slam the Dallas Cowboys and I'm probably going to get heat for this. I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, so we didn't have a professional football team. I love the Dallas Cowboys, but this has been like Johnston, like the Moose and Novacek and Emmett Smith were playing like before Sanders got there. And I feel like things went downhill. So I totally get what, what Jess is saying. And I respect that. So yes, dunk on Aaron Rodgers. I'm so sorry for the Green Bay Packers. Mm, yes. I, I do love, by the way, I love Wisconsin. Like I have a friend who has a cabin there like right on the border of Minnesota and Wisconsin. I absolutely love Wisconsin. I love the Packers. I love the Midwest. I'm from Cleveland, which isn't in Wisconsin, but it's still in Definitely the Midwest. Definitely Midwest. Oh, yeah. Absolutely love it. And look, look at the face. kitty. I know. Look at the, <gasps> the animal. Puppy. Look at the puppy. I know. Look at that face, that old soul. Oh, what a baby. Looks so like my aunt sweet. had a golden retriever forever named Gabe. 
That's who he reminds me of. My goodness. All right, AG. Next up from Susan. Hi, AG and DG and Beans Queens. I love the show. And all I learn, so relieved you have recovered from COVID, AG. I cracked up at the idea this Monday morning that adults should be able to drag around their favorite stuffed animal, Blanky, Woobie, etc. It was especially funny as my adult child and I are trying to figure out what to do with the life-size stuffed baby zebra currently residing in the living room. (laughs) Attaching a picture of it instead of a pet tax. Uh, When my child was six, my dad was battling to recover from surgery that went very wrong, which he did. So they were unable to see their grandpa at Christmas. And as Christmas approached, when we asked what they wanted for Christmas, they replied they wanted a stuffed zebra the size of a real baby zebra. It's very specific, Susan. (laughs) Uh, When we asked what else, they replied they wanted Santa to get other children presents that might not get, oh, that might not get anymore. Confronted by their generosity, we frantically searched for the zebra, (laughs) picked it up on Christmas Eve so it would be under the tree in the morning. That zebra is very well traveled. Since middle and high school, it has become the class mascot and also the forensics team's mascot that my child participated in. That's cool. Uh, It stayed in the care of the forensics team long after high school graduation before it came home, quote unquote, to me. Kat is now a community activist and a grant writer focusing on LGBTQ plus empowerment and has no room in the apartment for a baby zebra. So I have custody for now. This is the child that I previously wrote in about and I'm so proud of. You were both supportive of my confession that I struggled with understanding Kat's transition. And when I told her about the submission, she listened to the episode and it has brought us closer. You do good in everything you do. And it means so much to all of us. This <laughs> is fucking zebra. Oh my God, Susan the zebra. All of this is amazing. And I love that Kat is writing grants focused on LGBT plus empowerment. You've obviously raised an incredible child. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing, right? It is. And I love that this zebra was the mascot for the forensics team. <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. All right. Last submission for today. This is from anonymous pronoun she and her. I have a weird Wooby story. My son had an unusual comfort item, a spaghetti squash. (laughs) (laughs) If I didn't know, I would feel like I'm getting punked right now. I'm looking around. I'm looking around side to side. Now featured is the attached photo is squash. The fourth, I believe the first squash was supposed to be dinner one night but was claimed by my then toddler. Since he generally co-slept with us, that means my husband and I slept with a child between us who was wrapped around a spaghetti squash. I had to surreptitiously swap squash about every two months as it took a fair amount of abuse until he was forgotten in a pile of stuffies and quietly disappeared after two days of not being mentioned. Now, this is apparently not a unique Wubby situation, as there's an adorable child's book called Sophie's Squash. What? Although that child's butternut squash probably didn't roll as nicely as my son Felix's spaghetti squashes did. We we still can't cut Rosa's spaghetti squash if my now preschooler is around. (laughs) Anonymous, you have no idea how badly I needed this story. As a quick pronunciation note, I've noticed you pronounce substantive as substantive, uh, which I tend to think of as a British pronunciation. In law school and practice in New Jersey and PA, I've always heard substantive. No, substantive. Substantive. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think that counts as a correction, more of a note. Totally. Mm -hmm. Love the podcast and hope you enjoy the pic of my sweet boy and his special produce buddy. (laughs) Produce buddy. This is so fucking sweet. I can't even handle this story. (laughs) No, I want to, I want to. I need to, when I'm at the store, check out the spaghetti squash to see what the appeal is, you know? I cook spaghetti squash about once a month. It's it's delicious, and now I'm never going to look at it the same way. Yeah, and I do actually like substantive better than substantive. I do too, substantive. I can't say it, but I like it better. I don't think I've ever said substantive, though, either. Maybe I just, I probably just avoid the word altogether. (laughs) Yeah, you just say something that's got a lot of punch. Yeah. (laughs) substantive though i i appreciate that better i do I, I that's the way that my dad would probably tell me that i needed to pronounce it because he you know he was that kind of you know you give the the emphasis up front right and, right yeah. the emphasis yeah on the front syllable oh this picture though i fucking can't <laughs> oh my god i just really this is really it, anonymous whoever you are this thank you for sending this in i've had a hell of a week and I know it's only Tuesday, but I'm including last week. This brought me so much joy. Yeah, and so I, I actually thank love you. we can't cut and roast a spaghetti squash. <laughs> oh, my God. In front of our. I can't. That's so funny. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you, Anonymous. Any other Whoopi stories? These are my new favorite stories. They really are. Especially strange Whoopi stories. This is fantastic. <sighs> yes. Send them in to us by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Dana. Yes, dear. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, I do not. I thought I did. I don't. Maybe I'll have Me some either. for tomorrow. Yeah, we'll work on ours for tomorrow. And just for the rest of today, say that everybody, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.